Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Friday, everybody. Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Friday show, as always, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies and the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. All right, big day. Pat Kraft has been named as the vice president for intercollegiate athletics at Penn State. He will start on July 1st. Won the press conference today. So everybody walked up to me, well, you won this, didn't they? I said, yeah. You know, that in kind of infectious enthusiasm that he has came through today. And uh, he will go through the transition, and he'll start July 1st. We'll talk to John Sauber, Nate Bauer, and others about that on the show today. Eagles draft. They won big yesterday. A.J. Brown is a legit number one receiver to go opposite Devontae Smith. Great move by Howie Roseman. Although, I'm telling you, I've sensed that they traded up. I think with the idea they're trying to get Jamison Williams, and then they recovered and drafted Jordan Davis. Now, Davis is an interesting pick. Athletic for a big man, not a lot of stamina. He only averaged 25 plays a game at Georgia this year. That's it. But with Cox and Hargrave there, especially Hargrave, they can mix him into the lineup and he will really help them because when he's limited to 25 plays a game, he's very good. When he has to play more, he runs out of gas. All right, John Sauber in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And uh, with Pat Kraft being named today as Penn State's Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics starting July 1st, we bring in from uh, the Center Daily Times, John Sauber. John, welcome. Great to have you with us. Uh, thanks for having me on, Steve. I appreciate it. So, uh, Patrick Kraft, Boston College, being targeted, said to be the primary target. Uh, what do you know about this? Yeah, so it, it sounds to me like this is a you know uh, a, not necessarily a done done deal, but that um, you know barring a, a, a really surprising snag, I guess it, it'll be done. Um, it, to me, it, it seems like a good hire, right? Uh, it is always tough to tell with athletic directors sometimes, especially someone as young as Kraft. He's only forty four years old, but he's been doing this for a little bit for a forty four year old. Uh, you know, five years at Temple, two years at Boston College. He's been in the Power Five before with the Boston College uh, stint. And it, and it seems like he's going to make football a priority based on his background, based on what I know about him and, and sort of how he handles things. So I, I think all in all, this 
you know, this is something I expect to be done as, you know, I, I was able to confirm this morning and, and reported on SenateDaily.com. And uh, I think if this is going to be a good hire, and so far it seems like it's generally been well received as well. Yeah, so let's talk about the football part of it. Obviously, we're very close with Matt Rule, State College's own down at Temple. And then I've heard reports how closely you work with Jeff Halfley up at Boston College. You know, what can he bring to the table, especially in the fundraising part of it, that can make a difference? Yeah, I think that's the biggest part of this, right? With with any AD hire they were going to make, um, it's it's sort of a spot where the, the two primary head coaches are are in place in James Franklin, Micah Shrewsbury. It doesn't seem like anything needs to be done on those fronts. So then it's about elevating programs, and especially elevating the football program. Obviously, there's the lingering Beaver Stadium question, fundraising, potentially either putting a new stadium up or, or uh, renovating Beaver Stadium. Uh, Penn State obviously sent that survey out last year. Um, I think he's going to do really, really well um, to to fund or as a fundraiser and to to sort of build the uh, the base of funds back together, I should say. Um, having that Matt Roll connection obviously helps with that, right? Someone that he, he was close with, someone that is close to the community and clo- is close to Penn State and State College uh, can sort of help bridge some connections, assuming they're so close. And, and, and this is really an opportunity for him to uh, build upon what's already here and, and help sort of with the, the arms race that college football has become, uh, especially with facilities. We hear James Franklin talk about it all the time, the need to improve on that front, the need to sort of keep keep pace with those things uh you know i think he's as well positioned as any athletic director hire would have been to to build off of that all right which brings up the uh, next part of it because um when you look at that arms race james franklin has put out a challenge saying we have to decide quote who we want to be you know to use his words does a hire like patrick Kraft tell everybody what penn state wants to be uh, I think so. Uh, you know, I think it, it says that this is a an athletic department that wants to use football as the money maker it is, that uses it to help fund other sports, but that's generally going to fund money to football to help grow in other areas as sort of its means uh, to that end. Right? They they want to have that wildly successful athletic department, one that is also widely successful, um, but, but that starts and ends with football and the ability to, to generate funds from that standpoint and then use those funds elsewhere as needed. Um, I will be interested to see what it does mean for other sports, uh, but I do think for as far as football is concerned, this is maybe not an all-in move on football, but a clear sign that this is sort of the North Star for Penn State. All right, so you mentioned other sports, which of course here means a lot. But what a lot of people don't realize is Boston College is a 29-sport university. Uh, Does that now make a difference because he's now gone through the last couple of years of having to manage something like that? Yeah, I I think that experience definitely helps, right? Going from 29 to 31 sports isn't, isn't that large of a leap. Uh, I, I will be interested to see what it means, you know, long term. Because as we know, he was only at Boston College for two years, so it's a little right. tougher to get long term plans enacted at that point. But I think right. it's a positive sign. It, it shows that he knows how to manage those sort of uh, bigger athletic departments, ones that have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of things to manage. Generally, right? You have you have a ton of sports, ton of sports that want to be highly successful at that, and these aren't just, you know, sports that are existing for the sake of existing. Penn State is always. You know, been proud of how it can win national titles in uh, in all 31 sports, and, and they emphasize that a lot. So, uh, I think the ability to manage that is going to be important, and his experience doing that will help him out. 
Um, but it, it's tough to say long term what that outlook will be, given that you know he he hasn't had that much time at Boston College to sort of go full bore into those things. Uh, John, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, and you and I have both talked about his you know his extensive passion in the area of football. Yet he did hire the basketball coach at Boston College, Earl Grant, and he also secured a lead gift of fifteen million dollars for a basketball practice facility. Is that an indicator he's willing to go out and do whatever it takes to help other sports too? I think the fifteen million is, is a good sign really for everyone, right? Like to get that massive of a gift. I believe that was one of the largest gifts in Boston College history that he was able to secure. Um, it does show a, a willingness to go out and, and secure gifts wherever they can be available and, and sort of you know, wherever alumni want to help the university and help the athletic department, he wants to help there too, it seems like, right? Like that seems the like the intent there. So as long as those things are available and as long as he's help, able to help other programs, I think that'll be, you know, something that he probably pursues. Um, but, yeah, that, there's no doubt that, you know, the, there is some, a basketball track record there too. Uh, the hiring of Earl Grant, which I, I was a fan of at the time at Boston College, um, yes. you know, is – to me, a good hire. We'll see if he's able to turn it around there. But yeah, I think there's a, a willingness to sort of dip outside of football as well. Then there's the other part because it has been the ACC the last two years after transitioning from the American, and he has Big Ten experience. By the way, he's an Indiana grad, and he was in the athletic department there uh, for a period of time. But the fact that he has been at a Power Five and sat at a Power Five table, what kind of difference does that make? I think it makes all of the difference, especially with the sort of state of college athletics right now, right? Like the, we know the importance of NIL. We know the importance of being involved in those larger discussions. And it seems like he's able to be involved in those discussions because he's well-versed in them. Uh, and to, to piggyback off your point, you know, he was, from what I've heard, a candidate in 2020 when Indiana uh, was looking for a new athletic director. So right. it, it seems like he he is someone that is sort of in these circles and I think that matters and, and the NIL part of it is, is such a massive part too you know with making sure Penn State is as well positioned as possible to help its student athletes out and you know having experience in the last two years as, as everyone has kind of navigated that unknown uh, him having to navigate it already and sort of knowing some of what comes with it will be helpful down the line. Now we know the TV contract's coming up now he's not going to have anything to do with that that's being done at the conference level but unbeknownst to I think most people they haven't really talked about the Nike contract is up at Penn State he just negotiated the deal for Boston College they are an Adidas New Balance school Um, I don't know how far along they are in any kind of negotiations with Nike right now in terms of re-upping it but the fact he does have experience in that area John yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's very helpful. And he also did it at Temple, too, right, when uh, yes. Temple had a deal with Under Armour, and then he was able to get a deal with Nike. Uh, and then, as you said, you know, at, uh, at Boston College, getting the, the three-year deal for football where it's sort of a football-only Adidas thing, and then New Balance for basically everything else, the 10-year right. deal, you know, New Balance, a Boston-based company. It was local. It, it made sense for them. Um, and so they were able. He was able to negotiate basically three of those deals, two of them simultaneously at Boston College, one of them at Temple. So, uh, yeah, you're right. That, that Temple or the the Nike deal being up matters, right? As 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 sort of part of the uh, the, the branding part of this that can kind of go with NIL in some sense. Uh, you know, as, as everyone's sort of trying to stay on the cutting edge of whether it's footwear, footwear or apparel or what have you. You know, kids want to go places where they like the gear too, and I think it could help to have. Uh, 
you know, a, a sort of a, a new deal to know sort of where you're going to be at the next few years. How important in terms of this hire that you're getting the general impression you're getting the general impression that they're hiring a pros pro. Yeah, it, it seems like this is this is someone that is going in knowing sort of with clear eyes, right? Knowing exactly what is what is ahead and knowing exactly how to handle these situations. And like I said with you know, with the other the other things we've talked about having that wherewithal to know to know what's happening to know um what it means to be an athletic director at a big 10 school and to to be able to handle yourself accordingly i think really matters um especially when you're sort of talking with these other power brokers because he goes from boston college where yes it's a power five school but it's not necessarily one of the big seats at the table to a place where you're in the big seat at the table or one of the big seats at the table and so you have to be able to communicate with others in that way and i I have to think he's going to have, you know, almost no issues with that, almost no issues with fundraising. Every From everything I know about him, he's very likable, very easy to get along with, very easy to sort of, uh, you know, right. uh, I don't want to say negotiate with because you always want to be a good negotiator, but very easy to communicate with, right? Like, uh, And I think that's going to be a big plus. A very outgoing personality. I mean, yeah, very absolutely. outgoing personality. I mean, I've, I only met him a couple times. I mean, like, just, like, met him. Like no long extended conversation, but you could tell great personality. Uh, I've got to ask you about the blue white game. What were your thoughts? Oh man, it was. Uh, I missed the the actual game aspect of it. Right, I think James sure, Franklin right. did too. It was it was one of those situations where it was, uh, you know, they had to make those changes. The offensive line they just didn't have as many guys ready as they wanted to. But you know, you you really realize how much you miss the old format when you see it sort of take on uh, the, the shape that it did. Uh, right. I will say, I think that defense is going to be very, very good this year. Uh, little reason to, to think it won't be once again under Manny Diaz like it was under Brent Pry. Yeah, that's that's certainly a, a part of it. And also, what did you think of the quarterbacks? I, I thought it was interesting. I thought, you know, the you could see the clear arm talent, especially with uh, Drew Aller, you know, that, that, that was there. But He's a you know an 18 year old kid playing college football, and I think this sort of allowed the the expectations, the early expectations, to be reset for someone like that. Um, you know, Clifford was someone I was honestly surprised by the number of reps that he got, and even when when James mentioned that he had gotten over 200 reps, 201 reps in the spring, I think was the total number. Uh, right. I kind of thought he would get more of a spring off, but having another spring in Yurcich's offense can be helpful. Uh, Veyu has always impressed me. Uh, you know, I think he's got sort of the arm talent that is not on par with someone like Aller, but but that is sort of probably the highest level outside of the elite of the elite. Uh, and I think he was, you know, he was impressive, you know, whether it was our windows to watch in practice or in the spring game. Uh, I know things weren't perfect because the environment was a little bit weird, but I was, I've always been impressed with Veyu. Yeah, and Veyu had a great spring, as a matter of fact. You've always followed basketball closely as well. You know, obviously, we ran into each other in Indianapolis. Penn State's added officially two transfers in right now. What can they mean to the program? I think they're pretty big. You know, I, I think Cameron Winter and Andrew Funk are really what this team needed. They needed more ball handlers last year. I remember last time I came on when we were talking during the Big Ten tournament, it was – you know, they, they ran so much of the offense through Sam Sessoms and Jalen Pickett that you needed more right. guys you could do that with. When you lose Sessoms, but you replace him with Funk and Winter, who can both run the offense, who can both attack off the dribble, who can both get shots up from beyond the arc, which, as we know, is, is always important. They can both create for others a little bit, Winter more than Funk. But 
They're guys that are going to come in, buy into the program, which is always a necessity, right? You need them to to sort of be helping the young guys too while they're here, and and, and I think they'll be willing to do that. Um, And I think they're going to be big pieces to this offense. I I think one or two of them, or one or both of them, I should say, will probably start at least one, maybe both, depending on how big Penn State wants to go and what they can do at at center in the transfer portal here moving forward. But uh, I I do think those are going to be two pretty big additions and and two additions that could – you know, again, we, I talked about last time that the results might be similar next year, but they, they might be more positive sort of based on who's doing what. Uh, I think they could actually be better next year with these two additions. This is a, a team position to finish, you know, in the, the top eight or nine of the Big Ten if everything breaks right and if they can fill that center spot, uh, as I'm sure they want to. If they can fill the center spot, John, to go with the two guards or wings, what can that mean to the to allowing the freshmen to come in and be on their own clock? I think I think that's enormous, and I think you nailed it with that. Allowing Demetrius Lilly and Keba Jai to not have to be massive contributors early at the five uh, would would be big for them. Uh, I think one or both could contribute some next year, and, and frankly, they'll probably have to. Um, but allowing those guys to come in, and if they're not ready, to not be ready, right? You you don't want to force them into action if they're not ready. Uh, and you want it to be okay if they're not ready to go and need to take half a season, a full season to get to that level. Um, but I think landing that five can change everything for their development um, because we already, you know, we should already see that the, the guards, Kanye Clary, Jamil Brown, Evan Mahaffey, uh, those guys should be able to come in and contribute contribute as needed just because of the positions they play and the depth Penn State has, the guard and the wing. Setting the bigs up to do the same would be enormous. John, Great work, as always. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me on, Steve. I appreciate it. Talk to you. Ryan Snyder, next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back to today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine cords, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none, all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. All right, so... Big day with Patrick Kraft being officially named as the Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics at Penn State beginning on July 1st. He will button up everything at Boston College over the next uh, five weeks or so, and then really the month of June will be the transition time, working closely with Sandy Barber to make the transition to take over officially July 1. Uh, Great at the press conference today. He won the press conference. I think it doesn't take anybody to sit there and and not come away with that. 
Uh, so that was big news there. The draft big news, rounds two and three coming up tonight. A.J. Brown gets a $100 million deal from the Eagles. He is a legit. I've always been good with A.J. Brown. I always thought, yeah, he's a good receiver. I've always felt that. But he is a legit number one. There's no getting around it. And a perfect balance for Devontae Smith. It's a great move by Howie Roseman. The $100 million deal, remember, with the Titans, this was a cap move. Essentially what they did was they took the Burks kid on a rookie deal from Arkansas and they replaced Brown at the wideout spot. This was a cap deal, just like Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins was a cap deal for Kansas City. Devontae Adams from Green Bay to the Raiders was a cap move. Well, the Eagles are the beneficiary of this. They get the cap move here with A.J. Brown coming over. It's a great move by Howie Roseman. Davis, Jordan Davis, is very talented, moves well for a big man, but doesn't have a lot of stamina. And remember, when you're really good, when you're really good, okay, you're blowing teams out, okay? which means players aren't playing in the fourth quarter. He only averaged 25.2 plays a game this year for Georgia. And then the one game where he was extended, it was Alabama in the SEC championship game. He did not play well in the second half at all. He had no gas. So that's, you know, but he doesn't have to do everything right away. Between Hargrave, especially, and Cox, they can work him in. So he'll be a plus for them. The question will be long term in the fourth quarter what kind of player will he be? All right, let's get to recruiting now. Well, one of the young dads out there, getting used to being a dad, but also hard work on the recruiting front from on3.com, Blue White Illustrated, Ryan Snyder. Ryan, welcome. Always great to have you with us. Of course, Steve. How's, uh, how's spring treating you? You ready for the spikes? Yeah, I'm all ready for that, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, I finished working on Ohio University today. Next up will be Auburn. Nice. Oh, My good. kid's playing t-ball, man, so we're getting we're psyched up for spikes this year. All right, <laughs> so all right, I've got to ask you about that. Are you helping? To, I know you're so busy. You're actually helping the coach or you're watching? So it was Wednesday night, so of course we have practice. I would run over there and kind of, you know, be the hands-on dad, I guess. So yeah. as we got a little further, I was a little more involved, I guess you would say. But I, I didn't take a coach anymore. We're off the bat. I just, you know, I didn't know what the the practice spring, uh, you know, with spring practice being on Wednesday. Sure, wasn't sure what that schedule was going to look like, but it was good, man. We just wrapped up last night. The uh, little man was crushing it. So it was That's a good, great. good couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. I coached for fourteen years. Uh, I did because I had three sons that were involved, and I, you know why? I did, why I did it, Ryan? Just that way I could spend more time with them. And it turned yep. out that you end up spending a lot of time with a lot of other kids that to this day still come up and say hi. I'm sure I have many years of that ahead of me. Yeah, so it was a good first experience, though. We enjoyed it. But, okay, and just one quick aside: the first year I actually didn't coach my son Mike played t-ball, and so I would set out at Lamont Elementary with one guy every single game because his son was on the team too and we would just sit there and chit chat for an hour and a half and that was Jim Caldwell. He and I okay. that's it. so it was it was a lot of fun. It was a real football education for me too. Uh, there you go. I always try to learn as much as I can from the coaches as we go. All right. So uh the Blue White weekend brought with it a lot of people here from a wide variety of classes. Uh I think they got what one one commitment out of it or something like that anything anything more coming up yeah so right now uh they got two commitments in the last week we had jameel Lyons was on friday and that was 
that was in kind of motion before the blue-white game. He yep. did come back uh, for the blue-white game, but that was kind of, you know, the, the writing was on the wall there for a little bit. And uh, Conrad Hussey is a defensive back prospect out of Florida. He came up uh, it was around April 8th, I want to say. Yes. So he wasn't here for the blue-white game, but it happened right after the blue-white game. Right. Uh, another situation where, you know, the, the wheels were, were kind of in motion a bit. But uh, for, for blue-white, there were about 150 prospects, which actually was more than I was expecting, but that was – kind of naive for me when you consider, you know, we had two years with no prospects, right? So it, it, it was no surprise, I guess, then, uh, that it was a kind of a whiteout kind of atmosphere where you just you get as many guys in as you can. Uh, out of that 150, there were 24 uh, scholarship players there, guys who are uncommitted, of course, and, and hold scholarships from the staff. And uh, pretty much all their top, you know, guys who are committed-wise, 2023, 2022, of course, the guys who haven't enrolled, uh, they were all there as well. So well over uh, 40, 50, what I would consider quality prospects. And then he added another dozen or so who I think could realistically get uh, scholarships down the road. It was a, a pretty good pretty good group. I, I was more than I expected, uh, like I said, uh, going into the week. <laughs> you know, it, what's so weird about this is, you know, I walk by, I see whatever, and I can't say any names on the air. I'm not allowed to. It's just like, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, it relates, Steve. I don't know. I don't work for the university, but I'm sure that's strange. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just trying to make sure I'm staying within the bounds here. How about that? I get uh, it. I, I do I do the same thing, man. There's things where, yeah. you know, if I take certain photos and it looks like it's a pose, it, you know, it can yeah. be technically against the rules. So yeah. I'm always checking in with Chris, making sure I'm not overstepping. Yeah, no, you have to. Uh, they, they get a quarterback out of this group, too. Uh, of in terms of the spring, because you know I, you really need to get one almost every single time. They went to Florida to get this one. Yeah, Marcus Stokes, good-looking prospect. He really um, kind of caught everybody's attention at the National Combine, which is always down in uh, San Antonio every year, and that's that's where he blew up. And I was down there that weekend as well. We, we were down there to watch, of course, Drew Aller and all them participate in the All American uh, Bowl game, which you know the the combine kind of uh, goes with that, I guess you'd say, um, and really. What was interesting there is Yurchis already had a little bit of interest, and, man, he goes to that camp and just blows up. And, and everybody's, you know, who's this kid? And what I found, what I, you know, what I eventually would learn is Yurchis got in touch with him within hours. So I guess he was on social media or whatever it may have been. And, of course, the, the coaches do have access to the film at those combines, but that yes. wouldn't come for another day or two. Right. Uh, but long story short, man, Yurchis saw him, you know, was already a bit interested, really liked what he saw, I guess, in social media clips or whatever it may have been. Uh, Marcus was telling me Yurchis got in touch with him before he even left San Antonio. Uh, he eventually goes down there a couple weeks later. Um, with the way it works in Florida, man, they're doing seven-on-seven seven all the time down there. So, mm-hmm. he, you know, he was able to kind of watch him throw a little bit. Uh, Marcus gets an offer in January, and really, when he got that Penn State offer, a lot of schools started picking up interest. He had Utah, Indiana, now Florida, Florida, and Notre Dame didn't get to the point yet where they offered, but you know, I, I think that was just kind of a matter of time. Uh, Brent Pry, of course, offered to Virginia Tech. Pitt was in the mix. Um, there were a bunch of other schools that, you know, with this being the spring evaluation period now, I think he really would have um, kind of blown up around this time of the year, but. He gets up for a visit in January, comes back again in April, and, uh, you know, he, he was telling me pretty much going into that April visit, uh, which was, you know, whatever, or excuse me, I think it was actually late March. Maybe it was early April. I'm sorry. One of those two. Um, you know, he, he kind of knew what he wanted to do. But uh, Marcus is an interesting player because he's, he's a lot different than Drew Aller. Um, you know, Drew is, is definitely more of a, you know, sit back there and, and torch the defense with your arm. 
uh, where Marcus is kind of more of a Trace McSwirly type where, uh, you know, he can really kind of see some holes and, and pick apart guys. Not that Drew can't. I mean, Drew's a very good athlete. But uh, they're just different kind of players, which is interesting to me because, you know, Gertrude took both of them, of course. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, how his development is this year. Uh, but he's also pretty young for his age, too. He, he just turned 16, I believe. So he's a little bit younger than most guys. And, you know, his coach was explaining to me that if he was just a, a year younger, uh, or excuse me, a, a class younger, um, you know, he, he would be so much more uh, highly coveted uh, just because of, you know, where his age is and, and uh, you know, the, the, the other the other quarterbacks in this class, of course, with Arch Manning and Nico Ayamalava and Dante Moore and so many others. But uh, Penn State feels like they found a sleeper here, and, and really he's no longer a sleeper anymore. Schools are giving him four, or sites are giving him four-star ratings, and uh, he's really uh, picking up uh, steam. So it'll be fun to watch his development here uh, on the 7-on-7 scene and then, of course, into the season. Ryan, obviously, uh, James Franklin, you know, always takes the lead. The assistant coaches take the lead. But there's a lot of work being done by Kenny Sanders, Alan Zemitis, Dan Kabbala, and so forth. What has Kenny's return, adding Allen in, and also with Dan, what has that meant to what Penn State has been able to accomplish in recruiting the last 18 months? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Chris Mahone, too. I want to make sure he gets a yes. shout out there. Uh, yes. Slim, everybody calls him. And they are, they're excellent. And, you know, sometimes I always kind of, not joking with my coworkers, but I, I feel like we should put them in. You know, you look at their profiles. We have primary recruiter, secondary recruiter, and it's always the coaches. Yes. Uh, but, you know, guys like Kenny and some others, man, they, they deserve as much credit as anyone. But, you know, Kenny's just a very charismatic person. I don't think I've ever met, uh, never talked to anyone who's met Kenny before and doesn't love the guy. And with Kenny also having ties to Baltimore like he does, man, it, it's massive. There's so many young players down there that uh, have known him throughout the years, and it really helps, uh, you know, just just get more attention and, and get guys up here, really. Um, but the Midas too, man. His, his uh, obviously his connections to the school, having an NFL pedigree has been great. Uh, he's a very aggressive guy too, not in a bad way, you know, but he's just a very hard worker. Is kind of what I've I've learned. Uh, one other person, too, I, I was speaking with uh, a top prospect in Pittsburgh the other day, Anthony Specka. He was talking about Dan Connor, too, yes. who's a defensive yeah. analyst. He just joined the staff. And, yep. uh, you know, he said talking to Dan, man, that really left a, a great impression on him. He said they talked for about 30 minutes before the blue-white game. So just a lot of hungry hungry people trying to move up in the industry, I, I think, is a good way. Of course, Kenny and Andy and some of them are already kind of, you know, where they want to be. But the Midas, yeah. man, I could absolutely see him, you know, becoming a coach someday and, um, you know, there's a few others there that, uh, you know, they've really learned from the best, right? I mean, James is one of the best recruiters out there. No and, doubt. you know, when they when they take that team approach, too, where it's, it's James, it's the position coach, it's the coordinator, and then you have a bunch of hungry, uh, you know, recruiting staffers who are on it 24-7, um, that's where you get the results that you're seeing. When you talk to recruits, and you're, you're judicious in doing it, as you pointed out, and you talk to parents, and the same thing, you're judicious in talking to them. You don't try to overwhelm them. Does the topic of NIL come up with them at any point in your conversation with them, or is it just more of a feel for where they stand with a certain school? More in the last two months than it ever has before, and I feel like the next two months are going to be even more. Man, we are really really seeing that pick up and you know when you hear about Nico Imalava potentially getting a you know an eight million dollar NIL deal I mean that's when you see these kind of things it, it can't help but get people's attention now of course with the success with Honor NIL uh, Collective being in place that's been great I've had some guys talk to me about that you know there's a few players who I think here in the coming weeks and uh, probably weeks and months we'll, we'll learn about them signing some stuff 
you know, that, that's important. I think Penn State needs to get that stuff out there um, just because of how aggressive the SEC schools have been. Uh, you know, it's still kind of under the radar, but not under the radar, if that makes sense. Uh, we know Texas A&M and Tennessee and Georgia and some of these powerhouse programs, uh, you know, they're, they're putting some big money in front of recruits. And, you know, it's really strange because the one, the one rule the NCAA put into place was that this wasn't supposed to be recruiting endorsements. Or, or, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's all it is now. And, you know, one thing I'm – this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but one thing I'm very curious to see here in the months ahead is, you know, when you have Drew Allers and Nick Singleton and some of these really good, talented young guys getting the attention, uh, where do some of those guys who have played the last two years, you know, maybe they're not a superstar, but they've, you know, seriously contributed. Uh, how do how does James Franklin and some of his staffers, uh, you know, just, just work with that dynamic, right? So that's that's something I'll be curious to see. But from a recruiting perspective, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to blow up. And, you know, one last thing, you know, I, I thought that the 2024 class, was going to be the first time that NIL had a massive impact on where players end up. I no longer think that. I think that that the end of this class uh, will have a big impact on that. And Penn State's going to have to even continue to recruit the guys that they have on board because other schools will start flaunting that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to become a a major talking point, I think, as we head to the season. Well, that's because of the transfer portal. I mean, the, tra- I mean yep. the transfer portal is is the bottom line on that it, because uh, I was I spoke to a group on Tuesday morning and I was asked about you know what's so different now and I said you have to recruit your team your team almost every single day yep. uh, and that's what a lot of people don't realize so it's you know, even though that may be the last class that you bring in the one in in uh, December and, and the one this this past February where it's May it not have been an NIL pull. That doesn't mean there's not an NIL pull every day since. Yep, yep. I mean, one thing real quick. I mean, West Virginia, Neil Brown, he learned that kind of the hard way recently with yeah. the Mesador, right? Yeah. I mean, that's really been kind of talked about here. Of course, Penn State hosted him. They were interested. Uh, but the writing was kind of on the wall right when he left because there was a lot of talk that, you know, something with Miami, they, they had something in the works. And, you know, Akeem didn't talk about it too much. And then, boom, you know one day he pops up committed to Miami. So I don't know the specifics there. Uh, if, you, if you go on those West Virginia message boards, though, and Miami <laughs> message boards, uh, there, there was certainly something there um, because, uh, you know, West Virginia lost one of their best players, and all the talk is, is it was because of NIL. Yeah. Uh, and one last item. Uh, when you talk to them, they're obviously putting so much in, into the uh, new facility mm-hmm. over there because we see, the you know, the roofing is now up on it and so forth. Anybody mention anything about that when you talk to them? Oh, yeah. Well, especially, you know, when we were – it was talked about a lot in, in January because we had a lot of junior days then. And yes. you know, it was kind of – you could see the, the you know, the, the – what is the – the foundation, excuse me. Right. Um, but now, you know, especially with kind of the, you know, the – it just kind of being put together, I guess. You know, all the guys that were here in March and April, they've been talking about it a ton. You know, of course, it's still kind of just blueprints right now and ideas and all that. But uh, especially these 2024 guys. Uh, well, you know, of course it's going to be done actually real soon, but, uh, you know, a lot of 2024 guys have been talking to me about that. And, um, yeah, I'll just be curious to see how it maybe impacts a few guys here towards the end of the class. But w- one thing I'll be, you know, w- from an outsider perspective is, you know, we have so much emphasis on NIL and you have so much emphasis on building facilities. Where's that money going to go? You know, because there's only yeah. so much to go around. Right. Uh, so that's just another thing that James and I guess James doesn't have a whole lot to do with NIL, but, you know, just the whole Penn State fan base in general, 
uh, where are they going to start putting that money? Of course, it's good that Flash is being upgraded, but uh, you're never done in, in the uh, college football landscape. But no. now with that NIL coming into place, where's that money going to go? Because uh, it's going to have a massive impact uh, one way or the other. You have to be top shelf in every level of it. Yep. All of it. You have to be top shelf anywhere if you want to compete for top shelf. Ryan, thank you so much. Appreciate your time very much. Enjoy T-ball season. We will talk again <laughs> shortly. Yeah, tell your guys I said uh, thanks for holding off, man. I was going to try and I was trying to make it work last week. It was just no. a crazy hectic week. So, I appreciate you guys uh giving me a chance to come on today. Yeah, we, All right. We appreciate the great work you always do. Thank you, Ryan. Take care, Steve. Ryan Snyder on 3.com, Blue White Illustrated. Great to talk with him. We'll talk with Nate Bauer about Patrick Kraft in the next half hour. Final half hour, a little bit on the NBA playoffs with Scott Spinelli. The Sixers advanced last night, winning with relative ease over Toronto. They now uh, will get, it's going to be Miami essentially next. Got one game tonight, you got uh, Memphis and Minnesota up at the Target Center with the Grizz up uh, three games to two in that series, but the Sixers won big last night, played well. Harden played well last night, which they needed. And, uh, yeah, so that's where they – and this is the last day of the NHL regular season. Pens and uh, Jackets played tonight, as a matter of fact, um, in one of the games coming up. All right, so uh, we've talked about Patrick Kraft coming on as the vice president for intercollegiate athletics. Look, he's a go-getter in a lot of areas. You need to have somebody in today's atmosphere. To, you know, look, there's been a lot of deregulation in intercollegiate athletics, as we all know. We've out, we outlined it here every day. Uh, we talk about portal. We talk about name, image, and likeness. But you also have to, you have to be aggressive on the money side. You have to go out and get it. You have to raise it. That's something he is a proven winner at the ability to look at somebody and say, we really need you, and this is the amount we need. And he gets it done in that regard. So uh, we're going to talk a lot more about him as time goes. Uh, meanwhile, we've talked about the draft. We did not touch on Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers. And, look, they see him every day because Pitt and the Steelers share the same practice field training complex. So in the end, was it a surprise they went that way? Look, he's an older player. He's a more polished player. And to be honest with you, I thought it was, you know, look, a good pick for the Steelers. A good pick. But they've got to put more around them. There are more wide receivers in this draft, and that helps. Today's show is brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Nate Bauer, next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 
Brewers Outlet, the beverage super stock superstore, is ready for all of your warm weather activities. Camping, picnics, grilling, visit Brewers Outlet first for microbrews, imports, domestic specialties. They got them. Grab some pickles at the Pickle Bar, Steve Jones' favorite place. Snacks? Brewers Outlet has that covered. Soda, sports drinks? Check. Weekly specials, too. And there's lots of convenient parking. So get all the refreshments everyone will love for your next outdoor gathering at Brewers Outlet, the beverage super stock superstore, Reagan Street, Sunbury.